Good afternoon and welcome to the 195th episode of Tree Talk with myself, Jack Neville, and today we have a very special guest, John Kyo, you'll recognise him from Limerick TV and, and other ventures. We have an interesting uh, lineup to go through today. We're looking back on the second round of the Harland Championships. We look forward to this week's Premier Media Championship with tonight's game that's been live streamed by Limerick TV, and we'll be going through our top 10 hurdlers of the 2022 inter-county campaign. So that'll, that'll be for a lot of debate. So for anyone watching, make sure to, to get involved and have your comments. So stay tuned for all that. Impression the game, we get all with what you put into. It's like a walk of life. If you're good enough, go out and get it, no more about it. But not so much control in the centre of the field from Phil Kenny as Richie Bennett sends it high and over the bar. Your mother sends you down to the shop for a pound's worth of goods and she gives you 50 pence. You can't get the pound's worth of goods, can you? Out there from the world court today. No more about him. He made all the run. That was it. Put the ball over the barrel. The fact that it that's it. No ifs, no buts. There's no sympathy in this game for anybody. I see you in the background there, John, drinking water while the intro is on. It's incredibly hot out there. And I don't think you can avoid it even when you're talking about anything today. The heat is dominating all the headlines. It is, Jack. It's, it's I, like, I'm, I'm not one for giving out about weather, whether it's too cold, wet or hot or whatever, but this, this it's, it's very intense. And for any games over the weekend, I know there's supposed to be a bit of a break on, um, on Sunday with the weather changing, maybe a bit of rain, but it's going to be very difficult. You've already in your intro talked about tonight's game. There's games tomorrow in the Premier Intermediate as well. And over the weekend, it's it's going to be tough going. I'm just wondering, I'm seeing up in Dublin, even the last half hour, them announcing that there's going to be two water breaks. So for different reasons, we may have water breaks across the board this weekend. Yeah, our 17s were playing last night and they had the water break and our 19s are out tomorrow. So I'll be hoping for a water break for the boys there. But you mentioned tonight's game, um, Bruff versus Trumlet Laka. That game is live on Limerick GA TV. You can get on the Limerick GA website. You'll be behind the mic for that, I will, yeah, um, I suppose I will. for for uh, just for the Premier Intermediate teams, there's no real break for them. Which is before we get into the game, it's it's difficult, especially in this heat that a lot of those teams will go into football next weekend. So I was talking to Jimmy Lee last week from Newcastle, obviously, and there's to be a lot about how to mind players this weekend before you ever puck a ball. Yeah, it's it's you know like you, you said it's it's three rounds in a row for the Premier Intermediate while senior and intermediate and junior, you know, to get get that little break. Um, you know, it, 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 as I mentioned earlier, it, it's going to be very difficult to, to play in that heat. You know, it's the reality of 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 our sports anywhere in, in, in this country, whether it be soccer, rugby, GA or anything else, you know, you're going to be massively affected by the kind of heat that's out there today and tomorrow, especially and, and Saturday as well, I suppose. So for, for both Brough and Drumlet Laka, immediately on them, you know, play, playing this kind of heat, 6.45 thrown, it's going to be fairly intense. Me and my own club, we training at half seven last night, and it was very, very difficult throughout that night. We were gone at nine o'clock, and it was it was tough. So when you're playing that, up to that kind of intensity of a championship game in that heat, it's going to make it very difficult, you know, for, for both teams and every player in that field. You know, sweat into the eyes from the helmet, you know, sweaty hands on the hurley. All it takes is a slip and a corner forwards around you, and you're gone. It's in the back of the net. So, look for Bruff. It, it's look they, they've had a great start to the campaign. 
you know, along with Newcastle West and Glenru with full marks so far, you know, from their two games. While at Lackey, you know, they've, they've had a win and a loss, so it's, it's probably more important game for them tonight. If we're looking at that from from their point of view, I know Joe Hickey, who's well known around as a coach, is involved with them this year, and and Joe's a very good coach by all accounts. You know, he's I've been involved in teams against him um, over over the years as well, and. You know, on the flip side with Brough, they've had a great start, as I mentioned, obviously with Sean Finn leading the way from centre-back. But lack are due to have David Reedy back, I'm told, as well. So, you know, a fierce battle. It would be great to see them both line up against each other. You'd have a fierce battle with them two facing off against each other. But look, Brough have been very impressive so far in their two games, with Sean Finn leading, as I said, and Paul Brown operating at centre-forward, but will drift from there. And, of course, managed by the, the great Corkman, Jerry O'Connor of... Ben and Jerry twins fame and you know several all Ireland's to his name, so he knows his stuff as well. But look, beautiful evening for a game of hurling. That's the most important thing for anyone that's in Kilmallock and watching on the Limerick J uh, TV stream. So just something to be excited about as well, of course. Yeah, look, it's it's good to have games. Um, obviously, we're used to two full rounds of games. But turning to be a championship has probably been the one to watch over the last few years. And you look through the games: Drummond Lacka versus Brough. Um, not gaining Effin is also on tonight. Effin got their first win back in the Premier Intermediate ranks last week. They beat Drumnet Lacka. Nakani drew with Brough and going into tomorrow. Then Newcastle and Monoline. Newcastle have a win and a draw. Monoline won a game and lost the game. And Tappamore last year's finalists play Glenru, but they're the only team yet to pick up a point. And this Premier Intermediate Championship always delivers. Anyone can beat anyone. And with the seven games, there's more ends to rectify, like a, I suppose, an early defeat or, or an upset. So if you were, I asked Matt obviously before the championship call it. If you're looking at it now, like, do you see any outstanding candidates to come out of there? It's it's it's, it's very hard, Jack. It really is. You know, you talked about Monlin there with a win and loss. Um, you know, Monlin obviously came down from senior. They had a very very tough 2021 the hurling side of the club with their senior team losing all their games, and conversely their junior A hurling team getting relegated, losing all their games. So in senior, at adult hurling, effectively they lost every single game. So I know there was a massive overhaul of what they're doing um as at at that at those levels uh in the winter and early spring they've got Ombres Lan in of course uh, an ex tipperary hurler who's in charge of them this year and by all accounts they're going very well obviously that slip last week isn't going to help Ombres Lan has vast experience as a player with Tumi Vara and Tip and of course was a man it was involved in training Bally Brown a few years ago as well. So you know they, they they're a club just after coming down it's probably imperative for them to have a good year and try and get back up to the senior ranks as quickly as possible. You mentioned Kappa Moore as well, two defeats from two games. It just shows how tight this championship is year on year. You've mentioned it pretty much every year for, since its inception, it has provided the most entertainment in a way, and, and some high-quality hurling over the years as well. And it looks already so far in this year that, you know, that it's going to be the same. You look at Brough, Newcastle West and Glenru, you know, they're flying really like you know they, they, they've had two from two outside like Brough have been there and thereabouts in the Premier Intermediate the last few years but Newcastle West and Glenru are just up from junior or sorry from intermediate um champions in, in the last three four years as well so that's impressive from their point of view Effin as you mentioned up from from intermediate last year haven't beaten Croke Kilfinney in that final you know they've had a win and a loss that win coming, you know, they've they've serious talent all over the field, like like every team in this. But going back to your initial question, calling a winner from here after two rounds heading into the third round, it's not possible. But you have to give credit to Brough, Glenru, and Newcastle for what they've done up to now. 
Yeah, I suppose it'll be interesting to see. And, and again, that game is quarter to seven tonight in Kilimala. Bruff versus Drumlet-Latka. Um, we'll get into to last weekend's games. Before we do, John, obviously last Friday, um, some tragic news coming of Tipperary, the last of Dylan Quirk, who sadly passed away after playing with his club, Clannock across more um, against Kilroy McDonough's. It was just such a tragedy. And look, you can't really put into words um, how much sympathy would, I suppose, condolences to Cork family and all in Clonaldi and Tipperary that were involved, but it was just it was just so sad to see John and and we do send our condolences that way. Absolutely, Jack. It was, it was horrific. There isn't any other words as you mentioned that can can really capsulate, like you know, or ca- capture what the, the the horror that is a young lad, twenty four. You know, we we'd all heard of Dylan Cork long before last Friday. You know, those in hurling circles had seen him come through the Tipperary underage ranks. And up to senior this year, making an impact in senior this year, you know, uh, it's, it's just there's no words, you know, a player coming out, you know, I think back to Cormac McAnellan immediately when you hear these type of news that poor Cormac died in his sleep. But, you know, Dylan out in the field, we saw it with Christian Eriksen in the Euros last year as well. Uh, thankfully, Christian was able to recover, uh, you know, after some amazing work, but on, on the field, but, but for the Cork family, Clannulty, as you mentioned, and, and you know, Tipperary, and GA in general, no one wants to ever see a lad like not come in after a game, you know, and that's, we also, you know, we, we've seen tragedies over the years and across the board involving young GA lads, but it's so rare to see it on, on a field, a lad going down like that and for sadly not being able to recover. It's just, I don't think there's anything worse that can happen, Jack, you know, and for his poor family, you know, I know his parents and uncles were there and, you know, or his mum certainly there and, it's just awful, Jack. There isn't any other way. And as, as you mentioned, just to further pass on our condolences to to all involved. Yeah, and there was just a, a nice outpouring of, of, I suppose, emotion from the J community that we're all one at the end of the day. And it's a little consolation for the family, but I'm sure they'll get the support they need to, to come through it. And he will be remembered. I just saw there was a video going around of a nice flick or a hook he got on Kyle Hayes in the Munch Championship. So look, there there are those memories. But again, we, we pass on our condolences to all, all involved. Um, last weekend we obviously had the second round of, of all championships and we'll start with the, the main event that was in the Senior Hearn Championship Kilmallock versus Napiershig it was a repeat of 2017 final but I suppose the early favourites Napiershig beat Doon Kilmallock I suppose destroyed perhaps well for want of a better word and I suppose it was a one point win for Napiershig but from, from what I saw uh, Napiershig probably a bit more comfortable than one point there was that surge from Kilmallock maybe in the third quarter there thereabouts, but does you can't really put down Napiershig like it seems to be every second year that it, it's their year and they obviously didn't win last year, so they've they've set their stall out early this year. I know they left it late against Dune, but they've arguably faced the two toughest challenges in Limerick and have come through both of them. Yeah, it's 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 massively impressive stuff, Jack. You know, Kieran Birmingham's there a few years now. He's won he's won one county for sure, maybe two. And doing a fine job along with um Declan Fanning, former Tipperary player who's been coaching the Pearshi for a while as well. They've just found a way in the last two weeks. You mentioned they were probably comfortable against Kilmallock up until Kilmallock's um final quarter or so. Um the week before against Dune, you know, just a smash and grab kind of kind of performance in the in the last 10 minutes to get those goals. It was a seven scores without reply to to just get over the line and you just have to look at last year there were there was injuries all over the place for them they just couldn't get get it get it going my case he'd been out again and then you know peter falling the all-earned final 
you take Mike Casey and Peter Casey out of any team in the country, any club team, certainly in the country, and you're going to struggle. You know, they're two of the best players in the country. So, you know, and, and there are other issues as well on top of that injury-wise and still reach the semi-finals with ease, you know. Um, and nearly a late comeback against Patrick's well in that semi-final got him through. But they just have a way, you know, they're a hardy team now at this stage. They're well, well battle-worn. Still a lot of players that would have won that All-Ireland title in 15, still knocking around. Kevin Downs is still around the place. You know, they, they have the likes of Ronan Lynch, you know, stalwarts of their, their team, you know, for, for so long at this stage and still fairly young on the back of it. We all know that the two cases, Will O'Donoghue, Dahi Dempsey is still knocking around and, and hopefully from, from his point of view or maybe Limerick's point of view going forward, he seems to be fully fit and, and not worrying about injuries this year and is, is flying for the Pierce. He certainly was in the league and he's taken that league form into the championship thus far. But they've threats all over the field. William Henn inside in the corner, you know, they, they just have threats and they do have good young players coming through from their intermediate team the last couple of years as well. It's a no interesting note as well. Their intermediate team has won two out of two as well. So, you know, that they're they're going well at the moment, appears after maybe a couple of years where things weren't weren't always going their way across all the grades. But look, just hats off to Kieran Birmingham is and, and his his stalwarts as well. You know, two wins from two. Yeah, there may be two point wins, but Jack, if you win by 10, 20, all that matters is if you win by one. And that's what they've done in the last two weeks. I met Kieran Birmingham by chance last night and playing everything down, you know, just happy enough with where they are. But there was a glint in his eye as well. So Asher, we're going okay. But I think he'd be secretly very, very happy with where they are and going into that break. You know, it gives them a chance to recharge. Those first two games are intense. You may not see the best hurling that you'll see. You may see better hurling as the championship goes on. But it's all about results in the first two weekends. And they've done it to perfection yet again. Yeah, they just know how to grind out the results. Sometimes they, they blow things out of the water often than not, they, they, they grind it out. And you mentioned Dahi Dempsey there. I think he's just been the most consistent player for the last five, six, seven years. Like, it always it hasn't always worked out for Limerick. I think that's fair to say. But when he when he's in the sky blue, he's just... And again, another goal at the weekend and probably the difference. Um, For Kilmallock, I suppose the bright spark was Shane O'Brien again and... I know myself and Matt are very quick to, I suppose, heap praise, which is pressure in a way on these young lads to come through. The likes of Adam English last year and Colin Neal and Colin Coughlin before them. But Shane O'Brien looks to be another gem in the pack. And he almost single-handedly took it to the Pearshie defence. He had, I'd say, every man marking him at one stage, even Mike Casey, who, who is like in line for an all-star in a lot of teams. For Kilmallock, there is that bright spark. They never got going and they still only lost by a point, you know, that, that is what Fintan O'Connor left to sell to the teams that we were there, thereabouts, and we didn't play at our best. No, that's exactly what Fintan, I'd say, will be, will be saying to the lads. Like, you know, they, I'll, get, I'll get on to Shane O'Brien in a minute, but like Kilmallock have probably strengthened their squad from last year with the additions of Colin Henley Clark and Shane O'Brien. I was very impressed with them against Patrick's. Well, just their, their tactical nows. They've obviously gained confidence again from last year. Um, I know Colin Henley Clark or Connor Henley Clark, I should say, you know, made that impact last year off the bench a few times, obviously in the county final, and obviously in goals for the Limerick 20s throughout their campaign to the All Ireland final. But he was so good at centre forward against um against Patrick's well, like on Dermot Burns, and they had a kind of thing where Graham Mulcahy was they were kind of double job in Dermot Burns, Graham Mulcahy and Connor Henley Clark on him. And it gave Connor that, that bit of freedom as well to to show his talents, his wrists are fantastic. Just a serious, serious talent. 
And with Shane, you know, we all saw with our skulls throughout the year that you, you just have to, we, we, all, we all are heaping praise on these lads. You do have to remember their age as well. But, you know, Shane, Shane's just, a, 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 he played Hearty Cup this year and was outstanding for them up, up into the final. He was well contained, but still did a bit of damage against Tulla, St. Joseph's from Tulla. And then, you know, they won, they won the All-Ireland. And, you know, <laughs> you go out of Munster, you quit, it's not your day. And... On that day, because Tullock pulled out a performance for the ages from them, but but Shane then up in Croke Park, and I always say, it, Jack, and like we we like people talked about Gerard Higarty rightly, and Gerard coming out after the All Ireland final and saying, "I love playing in Croke Park." I think Shane O'Brien has that type of mentality. I saw him with the minors, seeing him all the way up underage. I mean, for, for a lad of seventeen and a half or whatever he was last year, nearly eighteen for the or seventeen for the minors now, of course. You know, he plucking balls out of the sky from wing forward and then going off and popping them over the bar. We've seen it at senior level this year already. Like he scored one three, I think, against Patrick's well from play. He's lethal in front of goal. He has absolutely everything. We're not overleading plays. He just has absolutely every bit of skill that you'll need. Maybe over time, a bit of boldness will come into his play. He may need that to protect himself a bit. But sure, what player doesn't need that? You know, you mentioned Adam English just briefly as well. And I know we'll talk about doing. But he's due to come back as well for their third round game, which is a massive plus for them as well. But 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 to finish on Kilmallock, yeah, they lost out by a point. They ne- probably never really got going, as you mentioned, against the Piercing. But I don't think they'll be too too put out. They know they've beaten one of the big teams in the top four. As we, we, we all go on about it's up to a day and a hand to break that top four this year. At the moment, from what we've seen, it may not happen. But Kilmallock are still in a very strong place despite that one point defeat. Yeah, I I think there's a very possible chance that Napier should get everyone. So Kilmallock will only have to be two or three to get there. Um, you mentioned Dune and Patrick's well and Adair and a hand. I think the four of them kind of grouped together that for Dune and Patrick's well, they're back on track. They have that win now, whereas Han and Adair will probably look back to that first round and the draw and think that was our chance that their backs are against the wall. We were both obviously in uh, Cahan on Friday night. I suppose Adair started brilliantly against Dune and it just kind of petered out. There was that contentious incident, I suppose, midway through the first half and what came of it. Came of it. And then I suppose it, it gave Dune life and within a couple of minutes they were ahead and they never looked like losing. And more importantly for Dune, big performances from Pat Ryan and Rich English, I thought personally. And as you mentioned, they've Adam English to come back into it. So, you know, to get that win now, it puts some... The next three weeks will be let's look forward instead of saying we've no win yet. You know, it was a big win for Dune. Oh, massive, massive win, a massively important win. Having been ahead in the Piercy for so long in that game and kind of sucker punched in the end. You know, you mentioned the Dare's fine start. I spoke to, to Ty Gaze, the dual manager after the games, you know, and I just put it to him like was it a bit of a hangover from that? And he was kind of feeling, yeah, it kind of was, you know, the first 10 minutes there. All credit to Adair, they struck fast, you know, they, they, they punished an error in, in, in the doom defence very quickly and with that John Fitzgibbon goal. But John Fitzgibbon, who's so vital to what Adair do at centre-forward this year, you know, he, he did pick up an injury in that hand game and was forced off and he was a big doubt for the game. And, and you know, he, he's central to their to their attacking kind of play as well. And he's able to score points from, from, from acute angles, a very quick-wristed player as well. And he like the second he got the goal, he was off. He da- he damaged himself again. So you know that was a a huge blow for there. There were one three to I think a point up. You know a great start, but don't just settle. They didn't panic. They got into their patterns of play. You mentioned Richie English. 
just a stunning performance from centre back and Richie involved in the backroom team as well this year. Out and out doing man to, the, to his core, like um and, and you know, Pat Ryan was just a sensation inside of full forward. Adair, you, you you talked about Shane O'Brien having different markers. I think every time the ball went into Pat Ryan, he had different markers. Like it was just so tough. Like Adair did everything to stop him bar, you know, going over and above um what they did they couldn't and shouldn't be doing, but he was just unstoppable. I, th- I think in Mark as well to Josh Ryan at wing back, give a sterling performance again, like yeah. the rest of the Dune team. Maybe a slow enough start, but thundered into it. Mikey O'Brien operating at full back now, give a, a fine performance. And did a couple of young lads as well that, you know, Gareth Thomas, one in particular, who was wearing number 13, but was floating around the 45, only 18. Did another lad as well. Um, just his name escapes Kevin Maher. Kevin Maher, thanks, Jack. Yeah, Kevin, like excellent. He's a beast. He's a beast of a young lad, and he's only 18, 19. And you know, I think he's only 18, actually. Sorry to correct myself. And and where did where doing are plucking these lads from? And, and they're just they're they're a club that's coming. I've said it for years. They just need to get over that final hurdle. They haven't performed in county finals. They'll say that themselves, they're well aware of it. But you know, there's look, there's so much talent there. And you know, we mentioned those two, Kevin Maher, Garrett Thomas. You know, centre forward, they're just players everywhere. They really do. Daryl Donovan midfield, the Cummins you know, as well. They've players all over the park. And more importantly, if Dean Coleman inside in the corner, when they play two men full forward, like he can score from anywhere as well. So, yeah, it may not have worked out against the Pearson, but I think a six point victory kind of didn't do them in full justice. You know, it were so reliant to score. I think it was at 113. Um, like one of 11 points of that was from, or 12 points of that was from. Willie Griffin freeze one one from play, you know, and, and that's just not not going to be good enough from, from Adair's point of view. But from Dune's point of view, they've a three-week break, they've had him English to come back in. Where do you fit him in? It's a great problem to have for Ty Kays and Jimmy Quilty and Aidan Fitzgerald and everyone else involved. So Dune will be happy to look, it's important from them two games to at least get one win. And as we're going to talk about Adair in a hand, they weren't able to do that. Patrick's well. Kilmallock, Napiershig with their two wins and Dune have their one win. So the top four, as we expected before the championship started, has stayed in situ after two rounds. Yeah, you're talking about Dune there and Adam English come back. I'm sure they'll find a place for him, but you also have Eddie Stokes and Keenan Donovan, you know, among others to come back in. We, as Keaton, played their, their junior team and Darius Deplin could definitely still do a job inside there. There's a few more. Um, Bob Purcell was excellent at 11. So, yeah, they do just seem to pull out these players every year and, and I back them to win it. I like they have the players to do it. As you said, it's it's just getting over the line. Um obviously neither of us were at Parcel of Hand. You can only go to a certain amount of games and they're all fashion, which is a pity. But they got the win. They got the goals. Jordan Higgins, that's three goals in two games now. It, you know it's not as if they're aligned on an Aaron Galan or anything in, in that regard. For a hand and a dare it, it's really hard to to see a way back for them. But Conversely, and I'll move on to Group Two if you don't mind. Valley Brown seem to be not they're not coming from Group One, but they seem to be that fifteen team so far. Um, two twenty five to one fourteen winners against Mungret tells its own story. Again, you couldn't be at both those games, but from what I heard, Matt was telling how big this Valley Brown team are. But from talking to the Mungret lads, in so accurate as well, and Colin Coughlin and Aidan O'Connor got about. 10 or 11 points from play between them. You know, they've lots of other players. Ross Kenny, Luke O'Connor and Ross Griffin and Brian Griffin make up the forward line. It's a huge forward line. There's Josh Adams there as well. That, you know, 
They threatened it in 2020, and Colin Cochran was injured when they played Napierty in the quarterfinal. They seem to be, I suppose, hell-bent on rectifying that now. Yeah, 100%, Jack. Um, they, they've, they've they've gone a different way this year. Evan left us there a long time. Did a great job and, you know, should be should be well complimented on the job he did and bringing through, lads, and, and, you know, getting them to a county final as well a few years back now. But, you know, he's moved on. Harry Gleeson involved, you know, and they've... Harry, of course, coming from a football background with a dare, but, you know, he's brought good people in with him. You know, they're... they're, they're look... They'll, they'll be have they would have been devastated last year to have dropped down to that. It just they were so close. I remember commentating on the game against against Kilmallock and Kilmallock were in right trouble. And Bally Brown, they were four or five points up, if not six points up, going into the final stage that the game was sewn up and they just lost their way a little bit, started giving away a needless freeze. Michal Hulan put them all over. And all of us and it was genuinely a case of all of a sudden they were caught. And sure, Kilmallock went down to win the county and Bally Brown end up going down to group two. So, yeah, they've two wins from two. They've been very impressive against Blackrock and Mungret St. Paul's. Um, that scoreline surprised me to a point against Mungret St. Paul's. Um, but given the, given what you've mentioned there, the forward line, they, they are possessing Colin Coughlin from, you know, from anywhere he can score. And if Stevie O'Reilly captain in the side against you, you're a very influential player in that side of Keane Hederman and goals again, vastly experienced goalkeeper and still a very young goalkeeper as well. They have players all over the park that can do damage from anywhere. They've a bit, bit, bit mixed in with a bit of experience. Like Sir Richie Kenny still in there, thereabouts as well, along with Stevie O'Reilly. Again, who's not not an, an old player by any stretch of the imagination. He's just been around a long time from mentioned the likes of Luke O'Connor, the two Griffins, and as well as Aidan O'Connor. You know, for for they'd be a handful for any team in the county, even especially in Group One as well. That forward line can do damage. Andrew Cliff as well to add to that, you know, can off the bench or starting can score from anywhere. So they have the talent, they have the accuracy, they have the bulk as you mentioned, and by far and away they're firm favourites to go to be going back up into Group One for twenty twenty three and making the quarterfinals this year. Yeah, if they're if they're the favourites, which they definitely are, it's it'll who's joining them is really interesting. Obviously, Munger beat KP in the first round. KP then beat Liberties last weekend. Liberties beat Garsplan in the first round. Garsplan beat Black Rock. Like so, I mean, <laughs> you call it there. Like um, Black Rock obviously have no points. The other four have two. But I mean, you know who joins Bally Brown will be interesting. But they've all shown merits that they could oppose troubles. Um, I suppose. Any teams stand out from the pack there from what you've seen so far or heard? Um, yeah, oh, it's a tricky one, Jack, because look, I was at the Kildoyma Palace Kenry Munger game, Munger said Balls game, sorry. Um, that could have went either way. It was a great second half performance from Munger St. Balls to overcome Kildoyma Palace Kenry's challenge, but then Kildoyma come back and 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 see off South Liberties. Um, I know South Liberties were very disappointed by how that game went last week, they just missed a few frees at the wrong time. You know, and, and and conversely, that first day against um Munger St. Paul's Kilima Palace, Kenry missed freeze at the wrong times as well. So you're you're looking at that and Garspalan will be there and thereabouts. You can be sure of it. They always seem to just be there and thereabouts when it comes down to it. But it's 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 a tough call. Look, you could pick you could pick any one of them. Blackrock seem to be the team in trouble, you know. Um Mm. Just seem to be seem to be they're they're down a few players from where they were in the last year or two since they came up, um, and they, they look to be in a bit of trouble. Okay, they've played who they've played already. They're tough tough games like, but they were well up in that in that game against. Well, they weren't well up. They were up against Garsplan going into the final stages, 
and the bouncers in typical fashion managed to find a win from nowhere. Um, from their point of view, Gareth Blan, you know, the, has that talent from their famous 21s team, has it fully come true yet? I'd argue no as of yet, not certainly at senior level, maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but, you know, the bouncers will always traditionally feel they should be at the top table. Currently they're not, maybe this year is their year. Time will tell, but it's very hard to pick from Kilima Palace, Kenry, Mungles and Balls. And at the moment, Garspilan and South Liberties, and it, it looks like it's going to be on form with one of them teams. They're going to beat each other. They're going to there's going to be shock results maybe in that group. But I still see Bally Brown going through unbeaten, and maybe Blackrock in trouble. Yeah, I suppose Munger are playing Garspilan. When we come back, South Liberties take on Blackrock, and KP uh, uh, take on Bally Brown. So it's really it's really interesting uh, that. Senior B, I suppose, or Group Two, whatever you want to call it. That only two come out of that, so it makes it more competitive and more enjoyable for the neutrals. At Hermans Immediate, we went through that. Um, we'll just look through the results in the other championships in the intermediate championship. Uh, Croom beat Maru Bohor 222 to 213. Napier 219 to 14 point winners over Caroline. We spoke that they're two from two. Fiona beat Prury by goal 115 to 15. And then in Group 2, last year's finalist, Crockle Finney, scraped through against Palace Green, a second one point winner off Crockle Finney. Granite Balling, Gary 123 to 214 winners over Hospital Herberstown. And Nakaderi beat Kilmallock 217 to 118. So a lot of very close games there, John. We won't dwell on it for too long. But I suppose you said in the Piercing at the start, maybe we're the standout team with Croke as well. We'll have that experience. Experience of getting to the final last year. I know they were only junior two years ago, but it's one that's very hard to call. And you know, it's cliche to say, but we will learn a lot more when they, when they come back in three or four weeks. That's it, Jack. It's it, it's a very difficult call. They're just Crokel Finney and the Piercing are the two teams with the hundred percent records. Um, you know, and the Piercing have a plethora of players, and we, we've all seen that the, the biggest talking point about the Piercing has been their goalkeeper. It's great to see Shane Dowling able to come back. Which, which I think is great for any Limerick hurling fan. He's, he's certainly, a, you know, more than a cult hero, I'd argue, like Shane, you know, was brilliant for Limerick. Sadly, injuries that curtailed his inter-county career. But how great was it to see him back and get the winning score? Maybe not maybe not for the opposition a couple of weeks ago. And I know he scored again the weekend. So that's a threat, a long-range threat. We've seen of it. John Chalk over the years for Kildima Palace Kenry, a goalkeeper coming out, taking freeze from long range. You know, it's, it's, it, it is a, it, it's a danger for opposition. It lets you know that they can't give away freeze from from their own for, from the opposition 45, you know, Dowling is such a slap of a ball that he can score from that range. Um, Crocodile Finney, on the other hand, you know, I saw him in the county final last year. I saw him um, in the junior championship fairly often as well. Very well well worked team, very well coached team. Um, in the last two years, um, I think Declan Sexton was involved. He used to be involved with Climus Palace Kenry as well. Not sure I was involved with them this year. As of yet, but um, yeah, two very impressive performances. But you, you mentioned Jack, how many games there in that intermediate championship were, were one or two points, three or four points? So, like the Premier Intermediate, a very tight kind of championship again. And you know, like you mentioned Fiona there with like Seamus Flanagan's putting up serious scores already for them in both games. Of course, they were beaten by that Napierschick team first time out. Um, you got to watch out for things like that. You know, guys of that talent at that level will will do damage. But yeah, wide open at the moment. T- two games in, plenty more action to come in there. Yeah, it's exciting. I suppose Junior A is is the same. And look through the results there at the Group One and Two. Stecker Wallace beat Black Rock fairly comprehensively, three eighteen to seven. Uh, Cora Manister and Drumcolor for Broadford played out a draw. Temple Clanton beat Ballybrick and Bormore one eighteen to one twelve. 
12th and group two uh Khalidi B. Clahan 117 to 111 Monique just got by St. Pat's 49 to 116 and Castletown Belly Grand were huge winners overhand 427 to 16 and moving on to the group and I suppose the most important result there um, you'll find that the last one will get to I suppose the lads last 117 to 116 be the Skeeton uh, Moose St. Paul's beat Valley Brown in the meantime since that graphic was made and Phoenix Comedians Kieran's is on this weekend then in group 4 Tournafulla beat Caris Plan 221-28 Patrick Swell defeated Kiltia Drunkeen in a tight game 221-316 to and there you have it all Christians 319 to 113 winners over Raquel John I suppose this game you were there you saw first hand but um, I suppose from your own point of view, you were in relation troubles in recent years. It just, I suppose, hard work, you know, is paying off for you. Yeah, hard work. The lads, you know, we we, we didn't have it easy the last couple of years with a lot of issues, injuries, and lads not being available um, for for a myriad of reasons that every team has to deal with, I suppose. But we felt we didn't do ourselves justice the last two years in in, in a lot of ways. Um, but look, I, you know, um, this year, look, the lads have gotten down. We've, we've got three or four lads back from back playing this year that haven't played in the last two or three years. Um, and we've had a couple of lads come in transfer-wise as well um, that have made a big impact. So, yeah, we, we, we did okay against Patrick's well the first day. Um, probably wasn't nine-point defeat. You know, the, the, it was very tight. There was two points in at halftime. They got a goal seven, eight minutes into the second half. And you give any Patrick's well team a six, seven-point lead, they're, they're going to hold on to it invariably. Um, and then last week, you know, we started well against Raquel, you know, and, and you know, went from there with a good performance. But you know, it's very hard work. You know, we're, you know, in, in, in our group, we've we've torn a full and Patrick's well on, on maximum points. Um, just from our point of view, like we're we're not looking at relegation. No team goes out. Started here to be looking at that, but getting a win, as I mentioned with the senior teams, is just as important the whole way down that the team gets a, a win in one of their first two games. And unfortunately for Garsplan and Raquel in our group. They haven't got there yet, but I'm, I'm sure there look there'll be plenty of of different results across the Junior A hurling championship. You know, you see Clahan um losing to Kalidi by six points, having beaten Castletown Belly Grand in their first game. St. Patrick's drawn with Kalidi in their first game. And then unfortunately from their point of view, losing to Mona Gay. So, you know, you've you've Temple Glenton, Mona Gay, Doom, Tornafulla, and Patrick's well on maximum points in the Junior A hurling championship. And it just shows again there, there's a bit of a disparity with some of the teams looking at the score lines, but I'm sure there's plenty there's plenty of surprises left in the junior A or the championship yet, Jack. Yeah, if I've intermediate as a landmine with twelve teams, what is junior junior then with, with twenty-four? So we won't even it's not bother, but like he does not it's it's fairly pointless to look at who do we think is gonna win from now on because you're gonna have three games, but it's there's so many games to play, twelve around, you know. And yeah, it happened, there's thirty six more games in the group to go, so um yeah, but we'll we'll let that play out. Yeah, just just quickly on on Temple Glenton, Monaghan, Dune, Tornafull, and Patrick's well, two out of two. So you 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 could be looking at one of them. Of course, Tornafull are just back down from intermediate as well. So they 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 would have been the favourites. But you look at Caroline when last year, the 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 difference between in, intermediate and junior A Jack is very very tight. Um, so but you you see Crockle Finney progressing quickly out of junior A and doing well at in, intermediate level immediately. So it's not the jump up is is tough, but the the jump down. It, it, it's fairly, fairly tight, and we can see that across the board in the results already. Yeah, the margins are, are fairly tight, and as you said, Crow kind of showed that in other or other teams, and I suppose Tom O'Cahar line, they kind of came from nowhere last year, and as did St. Kieran's to reach the final, so that's what I'm saying, we, we'll leave that one play out, we'll, we'll let it marinate over the weeks, and see how it goes. We obviously have a break now, um, Premier Intermediate Championship is the only championship 
Japan this weekend. Four games, we, we went through them there a while ago. Uh, we'll return to football next weekend and we have a couple of rounds of that and then we come back to the hurling. But for, before we finish today, um, I just what I wanted to do was that while we kind of had a break from the club championship, the, I was looking back on the Intercounty Championship and obviously Limerick with not Ireland was the, was the main thing come from it. But, you know, having these Limerick players there and what we will do is a discussion on the top 10 players in our own opinion um, in the in the championship this year. And I there's a... Uh, there's an article up website if people want to get involved and give their top 10 there's a name there's a list of 20 there I don't think anyone can make a case for anyone outside of those 20 for being top 10 players but uh, we'll go into that in a minute John but I suppose you more than me but most my childhood growing up oh, very rare to have a Limerick player in these discussions for, for player of the year or even all stars where first and foremost it's brilliant to have so many Limerick players that you could easily have a, a list of 10 Limerick lads here Oh, very much so, Jack. We, we've we been slagging on WhatsApp on and off and this discussion started about who should be in there and who shouldn't. And as you mentioned, it's our opinion, you know, and that, that's, it, it, it doesn't bear any fruit on any discussion furthermore than pub talk, Jack, like we'd all do in the pub or when we meet up out, outside anywhere else. Look, it's, it's, it's a bit of fun as well from our point of view to know on our opinions. You know, from my point of view, look, I was a, I was what eleven and ninety four. I'm showing my age, but you know, I, I I've small memories of that. I remember ninety six vividly. It was awful to lose to Wexford in that in that game. Um, two thousand and seven Limerick were shocked to get there. Great win over Waterford in the semi final. A famous win that will go down. That that to me is one of the great Limerick wins. That win over Waterford. It was such a shock. And the Renkley Kenny as best as anyone could run that Kilkenny team. I think it was a seven point. Mm-hmm. Um, a seven point defeat, but that Kilkenny team you'd look at that Kilkenny team, that Limerick team that's there at the moment, and you know, two of the great teams if you're if you're comparing, which is always so hard to do. And just in, in, to see this Limerick team, and you said it yourself, like to be in the running for these things, like I mean, the, the hurler of the year discussion that that isn't our discussion now, but like there's there's three Limerick players mentioned in it every time we're talking about it or anyone's talking about it. You'd be lucky to get a nomination for an All-Star back in the day with Limerick and some great Limerick players over that time as well, playing for their county and doing so well. But you look from 97 is when the, the back door came in. So you've more matches and so you've more teams being seen as well. And, and and just from our point of view, from the three All-Ireland under-21s in, in 2000, 2001, 2002, you know, to that team in 07, to the... The minor team coming through, Keane Lynch's minor team, as I call it, but that's harsh and everyone else has come through it as well. <laughs> but it was just that kind of a team, you know. And then we win the we win the 21s in 15, have not won a minor, and I'm lucky not to win a minor All Ireland. I must mention a minor All Ireland defeat in 05 as well. Very good team got there that, that yielded Tom Condon, who marked Joe Canning on the day. I remember it well, um, up in Croke Park in 05, you know, and held them scoreless from play, if I remember correctly. I'm open to correction on that, of course, but. Yeah, and then to see it, see them win it again, that you know, that win the twenty ones and seventeen and you know, eighteen then coming like in you know, but then then it's been ridiculous since, you know, it's been we've been blessed, Jack, as Limerick supporters, Limerick fans, and we're at matches and we're talking about it and writing about it and doing everything else and talking to people. I just feel honored to be around it, you know. Um it's been such an enjoyable time. That win over Clare and Turles this year in the lashing rain. In the dirtiest of conditions being played and Limerick in extra time producing the stunning hurling they they continue to produce. And John Kiley said it after the 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 all earned final, I think that it was the hardest all earned that Limerick had to win. You know, you go through that monster, 
Clare came from nowhere. I have to say that, I'll be honest, I did not see that coming from Clare. Fair play to them for it. To reach the, the Munster final unlucky in that final as well, of course, and, and to reach the semi-final, of course, it didn't go their way against Kilkenny. Waterford were the big disappointment in Munster. Um, but for Limerick to get through Cork, Tip, Waterford and, and Clare, you know, unbeaten. And that, that's the way I look at it, unbeaten in the round robin um, for the first time, I think. Um, you know, and that, 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 that's, that's incredible, you know. And I know it was a draw in us and missing a few players, but... And then, then to go to the semi monster final, as I mentioned already, and then, you know, Clare had all the momentum going into extra time. Obviously, they're tired. It just showed Limerick's fitness, as well as all the hurling talent. You have to go back to their strength and conditioning every time. A new man in charge after Mikey Kiley, um, with quick Kaelin O'Clebra, um coming in and seamless transition again. Limerick looked even probably fitter this year, if that was possible. And then to go in, to go into the semi-final and, and play some lovely hurling and been really every game was a test for Limerick this year. There was no easy games. Really every team put it up to them. And then that epic all Ireland final. Okay, you'd argue in 18 Limerick were Limerick should have beaten Galway comfortably and Canning brought Galway back into it. That scared the life out of all of us. Um and you look in 2020 and 2021, we all know in 19, we'll skip past that quickly. Of course, 2020 was what it was in, in December and you know, COVID. You know, and we, we had a half championship last year, back to the old traditional monster championship again. You know, and I was at games in 2020, Jack. You know, the, the, the Clare game where Limerick were crowned league champions, having beaten Clare in a Waterford game without supporters. I never want to see it again. I never want to be at anything like that in any sport to be covering games in, the, in that atmosphere. It was just, it was, it was bizarre. It was great to get them played, of course. Mm. It was important they were played. But then for Limerick to win in 2020, and, and they were better than Waterford. Waterford had a very positive start, but Limerick were on a different level in 2021. And that whole year were, was just last year was amazing. You know, it really, really was. They just peaked that semi-final or that Munster final against Tip. Um, the comeback in that game was was one for the ages. I know people that still watch this that they ignore the first half. I watched the second half back on YouTube fairly consistently. A brother of mine does it fairly often just to get himself cheated up for his day. And then obviously the, the first half of the all Ireland final. To me, I like I don't think we'll ever see a, a, a blitz like that ever again. It was it was amazing. And then and then we'll we'll go on to this year's all Ireland. And in the most epic of games, I said it to you before we, we started recording here that um that goal from Gerard Hegarty to me, is one of the great All-Ireland final goals. The, the game itself is one of the great All-Ireland finals. You'd argue the greatest Munster final of all time. What a year for Hurling again in 2022. Yeah, it was it was such a good year. And there's, there's so many players that made the year what it was. And I just drew a list of 50 the other day. I was, I was going to do a list of the 50 best players, but I mean, you'd be there all day because you're 15 definitely from Limerick, if not a couple of the subs. But We'll get into our top tens and even since you were talking there, I'm after changing my list around. I know one of my list, I'm sure it's changed, changed around. Yeah. So we will start with we'll go from, from ten to one and anyone watching can can get in there, maybe their top three, because if we go through everyone's top tens, it'll be loads, but it might be people listening back later on. But I at ten for you. Connor Wheeling from Galway, great year, fantastic hurler. Um we're gonna differ on things, but that's fine. Um I think Conor Whelan, you know, had a great year for Galway all round. Was the focal point of their attack at full forward. He can play anywhere. You would throw him out midfield to do a job for you. Some of the scores he got in the semi-final when Galway came back level. 
from the touchline. And when they kept coming back at Limerick, he was outstanding, very difficult to mark, very quick, very gets the ball in his hand, works hard, and, and he can finish as well, top hurler. Yeah, I think I think Connor Whelan is exceptional hurler. He's not on my list though. But I think if you're off. picking I think if you're picking a pound for pound uh fifteen we'll say I think it's very hard to leave Connor Whelan now. But I also went for a Galway man. Um I went for Joe Cooney. Um you were talking there with versatility. Maybe probably works against him at those because you could play him anywhere from kind of wing back to full forward, really. He scored two eighteen in this year's championship. He was mostly in midfield. Um I thought Park Manning was also very good for Galway, but I thought Cooney, I thought he was brilliant below in the Gaelic Crowns in the league, and we're not taking league into consideration, but he kind of, under Shefflin, I think he was probably the most improved player, not that he was a bad player ever, but I thought he was he was brilliant. Um, Again, his versatility probably plays against him, but I have, I have Cooney in there at 10, uh, your ninth pick. Nicky Quaid, um, I can be accused of goalkeeper's union all the way here, but... Um, to me, him and Owen Murphy are the, the, the two outstanding keepers. Um, Aina Murphy, in fairness, from Galway had a super year. Um, made one mistake against Kilkenny, but came out with a brilliant puck out. They won him a free in that game for Galway and improved immeasurably in, in the last from the last two years. Have to give him a shout out as well. But Nicky is vital to what Limerick do um, on a daily basis. Um, improved a ton over the years in goals. Um, at one stage, I'd, I'd argue his puckouts weren't weren't as where they are now, but he's on a different level right now. To to Owen Murphy, even as as good a keeper as Owen Murphy is, I think Nicky had an outstanding year. And um, he's a very good shot stopper. He's safe as houses, and as I said, vital to everything Limerick do. Yeah, again, I don't have Nicky on my list, and I suppose I'm going against the goalkeepers union here. But like again, if I'm picking a fifteen, I have Nicky in there all day. I think Owen Murphy. It goes down as one of the best of all time, if not the best, and that's fair enough. But what Nicky has done for Limerick is not in chart of incredible. And I think puckouts were flawed in the All Ireland final, but like I, it does help when you have Gerard Hegarty, Tom Morrissey, and those boys to aim at. But you still have to pick. It's like the free decker; they might be easier than from play, but you still have to do it. And, and Nicky just does all the basics so well. For me, me at nine, I had Kyle's. Um, he's probably started the year well in, at full forward for Cork. Um, and but then was I suppose quieter. But when you got to Crow Park and you mentioned big game players and, and playing in certain venues, I thought Hayes was probably unmatched up there. He got three in the semi four in the final. The work rate he gets through, he's a nightmare for the opposition, first and foremost. And you, you've seen that with Kildaiba, he's been unreal in the club championship. But for me, Kyle was a huge reason why Limerick got over the line. Um, I don't know, I still probably would have him at seven if I was. Picking a team, but he can play anywhere. But for me, Kyle Hayes is number nine. Uh, I suppose I'll go into my number eight there when I'm talking. I had Sean Finn, um, best cornerback in the game, even with a fella that's going to be ahead of him on the list, if not two. I don't have Mikey Butler on the list, and maybe I should, but I think Sean Finn is just ahead of him in, in everything. Again, when push came to shove, Munster final, Galway late on, Kilkenny, he's just flawless. Uh, defender's nightmare. He picks up all the key men. Connor Whelan's quite his game is probably Limerick, you know, and there's no there's no uh, coincidence that he was against Sean Finn. He just quietens everyone that comes his way and no nonsense, brilliant. I think five in a row all stars, you know, he's only second man to do that from Limerick. For me, Finn is eight. I've changed here and I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> I had someone else in at eight, but I'll be honest, I like going through the list and there's so many people you do forget and incredibly. And I, I know the reason why, because we're just used to Sean Finn being, being so good. 
That's why it was just oh yeah, you just think, assume that he's going to be going to be look. Sean Finn is a dream of a cornerback. Um, any team in the history of hurling would have had Sean Finn a cornerback, and that's all I can say in it. He is the greatest cornerback I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. He said it when push comes to shove. He was marking Tony Kelly at times, um, you know, at times during that game, and, and he was wrecking Tony Kelly. Said that's all I can say in the monster final. He gave Tony, like Tony, Tony, look, we'll be talking about Tony again in a few minutes, don't worry. But I, I just, that's an example. You mentioned Conor Whelan. The All-Ireland final, where Limerick were under severe pressure at times in that full forward line. He still looked at, at ease. Uh, it's crazy how good he is. Um, it's doing him a disservice to have him at number eight, but that's where we are, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're, I think if you're getting pound for pound players, I think Finn is, is right. If I was doing a draft, I don't know, I think it'd be very hard to look past Sean Finn for number one pick because he will... Lockdown, the opposition's best player with chat. <laughs> we in agreement anyway with that. I suppose seven, you mentioned there a minute ago, Tony Kelly. I suppose if the Kilkenny game never happened, Kelly's probably higher on the list. But he was he was very quiet. He held scorers in play, I think, for only the second time in his career, which is mad for a wing forward midfielder kind of fella. But I suppose at the same token, it shows how good he is because when he doesn't fire, Clare don't fire at all. And Clare really let the glove on Limerick. I think it's first the draw and then as the obviously Munster final went to replay he sideline alone <laughs> in to bring it to extra time below in Turles you know as iconic enough as it is um one of the best players in the country one of the best players over the last 10-15 years um you know if he's getting to not Ireland final he has to iron the list but you know it's it's these awards are generally down to the lads perform on the biggest of days and for Tony this year he did do it in the Munster final. He did do it against Limerick in Ennis, but not in Crow Park, where it really mattered for Clare. So for me, Tony is seventh on my list. Yeah, well, I'll be talking about Tony in a minute myself, so I'll leave that. <laughs> my number seven, you, you'll argue this, I know, but Declan Hannon. Um, I, like there, there isn't, I, I can't. Like even have him at seven is doing him a serious disservice in my eyes, but I'm going on absolute impact on the year 2021. And again, like Sean Finn, Declan does it every game, so it's hard to, to you know, to continuously put put the likes of them in in a top three in this stratosphere or whatever we're we're d- discussing. Like, but look, I don't need we don't need to add anything to Declan Hannon and what's been said about him. Just a Rolls Royce of a hurler. I heard I can't remember who said it a few years ago, and that was how they explained it. He's so key. He he reads the game amazingly, left or right. I think he popped up at a point in pretty much every game this year in the championship as well. Was disgusted with himself in the All Ireland final when he dropped one short on Murphy. Just, just didn't, you know. And that that shows the level. Everything with him is about precision, and a leader of men, a leader of All Ireland finals. And to go to go what he's done to, to captain four teams in a, in All Ireland final victories just says it all to me. Yeah, I, I'll get on to him in a minute. Uh, we'll go on to your six because it could be a repeat of one of mine. I think. Um, Darren Gillan, um, again, I, I will repeat what I've said about Nicky Quaid, Sean Finn, Declan <laughs> Hannon. Having Aaron Gillan um, at six in this list is probably, again, doing him a disservice, but this is just the way the way I've worked it. Um, on his day, unstoppable. On a bad day, unstoppable. With a knee problem, as, we, as we've all, we all saw, he wasn't fully fit in the All-Ireland. The knee strapped up and uh, levels of fitness. Ewell Lawler had a good game. He still scored three or four from play and popped over a few free seven points. Clearly injured for me, but look, he, he may say different, but just a stunning, stunning forward. Um, Limerick's attack is based around him. Um, 
take Aaron Glenn out of that Limerick team like you did in that, I think he missed the clear game. Limerick don't function yeah. as well. Of course you don't. Um, heading, heading like very high on the list of the greatest ever scorers in championship history. He's flying along that list and he's not quite far and away finished yet. Just a dream of a forward, a nightmare for any defender because he can come out in front of you and he does you from over the shoulder line. Dahi Burke, the performance in the first half and even the second half when the ball came in against Galway should be the marker for any corner forward, full forward. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take on board. The delivery was superb from the forwards, but the movement against Dahi Burke. And what do you do as a defender, Jack? If a fella goes, darts, knows where the ball is going, darts out in front of you, you, you can't play him from the front because if you play him from the front, he's going to drop him behind the ball, comes in, he catches it, it's a goal. So you have to play him from behind. Dahi Burke is one of the great markers of all time. And... You know, I, I just five or six times this happened, and he scored every one of them, I think. So that he was out behind him. Aaron gets the ball, beautiful touch into the hand over his shoulder from 50, 60 yards. You can't stop that as a defender, you just simply can't. And then, as I said, if it goes high into him, he can catch it and bury it too. Just he's a triple threat, he can do it all, Jack. And you know, as and then there was another one as well, which is which is great to see. And he's he's spoken this week about or last week about. Um, his temper and how he reacts in games and how he stopped himself. At one stage of the second half of one of the points, Dahi Burke came out and gave him an unmerciful slap across the hand and the arm. It was a tough one. It was blatant as well. It wasn't seen. We'll move on from that. And Aaron just kept on going and threw it over the bar anyway. And it was just, to me, and that clip has gone around well as well, just brilliant. But I know you have him higher in the list. So I yeah, I'll get to Aaron in a minute. Um... Oh, we disagree there with Aaron and, and, and Declan Hannon. We're going to screen this one as well because for me, sixth is Garot Hegarty. And I know that sounds mental and it probably is a bit mental. Because if I was, if I was like Sean Finn, the number one pick in the draft, you'd have to have Garot uh, up there. I mean, he's so unique. There's no one like him that can win ball as easily, like destroyed. He might look like he's going very fast, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm telling you, he is getting away from you if he gets the ball. He's striking a second and on that point in the 73rd minute of the All Ireland, I want to say, from way inside. He shrugged off, uh, I can't remember his name, the Kilkenny wing back that came on to mark him with ease and fired it over. Um, a Rose Rice player, I think just the Galway game, he was a bit quiet in his own in his own standards. Finn Burke did a brilliant job on him, and that's why maybe I'm shoehorned down a bit. But I mean, he's all our final performance. You know, and you'll get to this. Like, I mean, we taught in twenty twenty seven points from play. Like, that won't be beat. Then he gets two two, and then he gets one five. And I think the one five was the best. So for me, Garod is six. But I mean, pound for pound, he's definitely closer to one. Um, we'll move in th- into the top five here, and I'll go at you first. I've got Tony Kelly, uh, just a little bit higher than you, um, and purely because of his influence on that Clare team. You mentioned it when he doesn't hurl or isn't let hurl. Um, he he's he's lethal. He just doesn't very rarely misses. Um, takes the freeze. I'm not sure about his free taking a time. He, he missed a couple in the Munster final that were a bit not like him. He's hit and miss at times with freeze. But look, every free taker is. They're always going to miss a couple. You have his free taking is such a, a defined art. It's very harsh to criticise um, a fellow missing freeze. But Tony Kelly is. He's. I've, I've said the word dream of a hurler with other guys already on this list. But he is the ultimate dream. He's lightning quick, left or right side. Limerick opted to stay in their system against him. So a lot of his scoring totals over the last five or four, five, four or five years 
Like he's gone into 14, 15, 16 points against Limerick a couple of times, you know, already. So there's a couple of times this year alone. Just superb at every um every skill of the game. He has every little skill you need to be a top hurler. Um he will go down in Clare's one of the greats. He has one on Ireland and, and you know, from his point of view, it'll be a shame if he doesn't win one. Um another one, I should say. Um because he's, he's the type of hurler that deserves more and deserves more and deserves all the credit in the world. And as you mentioned, that sideline cut, look, sideline cuts are scorable for, for at any level of hurling, at any age group. But you take in the pressure of what it was, the conditions of of the of the day in Thurlis in the Munster final and the angle he had. Uh, you see, I've seen Fintan Burke do it this year with Galvez several times. seen Joe Kenny do it for donkey's years from... 80 yards out and cutting across the ball and many other players over the years. I've seen very few do it from the 21 or inside the 21 and kept it low. The trajectory was low and that level of skill just is a mark of the man. Stunning hurler. Yeah, I think Tony Kelly is one that you say he starts in the slimmer team regardless of what happened. You know, he's he's going to start in the team. He's, he's that good. I think my uh, number five is the same. TJ Reid um, you know, he probably he he probably kind of kind of saunters through Leinster to a certain extent because you know he's he's moving on now. I think he turned thirty five after that Ireland final, but like when he gets going, he's everything to that Kilkenny team. You know, he didn't single handedly bring him to that Ireland final, but he had a lot to say. Free taking, you say, you no know, free takers miss, and they do, but it's hard to recall a time when TJ is is missing him. He's so accurate, and I think the biggest thing about TJ is he didn't score from playing that Ireland final. But his impact outside it, he was still one of the best players in the team. He just commands so much attention. He's he wins ball at I thought Buck Row win a ball there. I think TJ is probably the best ball winner in the country. Bar none. Just you give it to him anyway, he'll win it. Longevity, you know, he he'll be in that goal conversation for all time. He's just so important to this Kilkenny team. I have him in at in at fifth. Um probably could be higher. And I'd imagine you if you don't have him on this list, your list is not invite. But um I go in. I'll go quickly to four because I've TJ Reid at four. <laughs> um, just, just to back up what you said, Jack, such just. Um, I heard um, when they were talking about when Brian Cody's announcement came there a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to Off the Ball and um, they'd, they they had, um, I'm just trying to think of it as, I think they Tommy Walsh on and they'd, some, they'd Eddie Brennan on and they did someone else on, Eddie Brennan, and it wasn't Tommy Walsh. But they were talking about TJ and he, he Blazed the trail with Belly Hale when they when they were winning all earns as a young fella. And he was just brought on as um if it's in starts with Kilkenny and they were good, they were mainly talking about Cody, but I mentioned TJ in this as well, where where lads and um, it was Mick Fennelly was the other one on, sorry, but Eddie Brennan. And the Fennelly was talking like about how so many players at different times through Brian Cody's just not coldness, but if you weren't in that 15, you were out, you were out in the cold and out. And TJ at, at times was out in that cold and not getting a look in and where he eventually came to as a hurler is just unbelievable. It really is. He is, you mentioned Goat. It, like Kilkenny have had, uh, like for me still to this day, and it's 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 coming tight, that Henry Shefflin's the greatest player I ever saw live in my life. I saw DJ Carey. DJ was great. And up to that, Kieran Carey was my favourite hurler at one stage in my life, of course, and plenty others in Limerick. But TJ has gone to that le- next level of Goat, as you mentioned, and is in that conversation purely because a 
I think he turned 34. I think you're doing him a disservice and he turned 35, but we'll argue that. I'm not sure. I'm not fully sure. But to be to be able to do what he did in the All-Ireland final, and it wasn't, you mentioned he didn't score from play. He should have got one point from play. And I'm not criticising DJ Reid, where they went for a goal and Limerick snuffed it out. And it was a key moment in the game. If they got a goal, Kilkenny won the All-Ireland. And he went for the goal. You know, he went to try and create that goal. You have to admire it as well. Didn't take the easy option at the point. Went for the jugular. Was key, just key to Kilkenny throughout the year, um, and you mentioned the free taking. He just doesn't miss. I, like that, that's the he's the he's the greatest free taker maybe of all time, surpassing uh, and you're called Sir Henry Shefflin there. You might as well <laughs> call that, but you know TJ just like I can't even putting him fourth or fifth in Earth. This is our opinion on this year, but TJ is number one for so many reasons for so long. Just one of the greats of all time. Yeah, there's no argument with that. Uh, for me, four was, was Aaron Galan. Um, I you had him at six, that's not, so, not much of a difference. I just thought Galan was the harder of the year coming into that Iron final. He was well marked by Hugh Lawler, who deserves the shout for, for this list. I'm assuming he's not making your top three, but um, Galan, you know, you talk about there's so many things you talk about, like you, you hardly mentioned Tipperary, and you give so many examples, but you hardly mentioned Tipperary, the, the two goals he got there, you know, just. You can't, as you said so many times, unmarkable from behind, in front, from the side. And against Waterford then, you know, a couple of weeks beforehand, it was all out in front. He got 13 that day, you know, and he, he killed what Tipperary goals, but he got Waterford with his points. Um, a goal against Cork as well. goal against Cork. And I think that's added into his game. Before you would have seen Aaron, he was looking for the roof of the net. I think he referred to it in that, that he's going lower now. It's as you're a goalie. You would much rather him go that's high because right. yeah. it <laughs> looks better first and foremost if you save it. But it is, it is easier because you can judge the trajectory of the ball it might you mightn't stop it but you can judge it to an extent so i think aaron is more lethal if at all possible as you said he is he is Limerick's inside forward line it, it comes through him um was injured for the final and still scored three from play and it was a bad day for him scoring three from play you know so for me aaron is four because he was harder the year for me going into the game does it misses out on it well probably will miss out on it but uh still deserves to be in the top four uh my number three you have had him as well. You had him at seventh. I have him at three. Declan Hannon. I think a lot of players in this list do um, a lot of things that are very noticeable. I think Declan just goes under the radar. Um, you mentioned his points ability, but as a leader, that point against Clare that we thought would win the game, you know, I thought in the in the Iron final he was just so good. Just the ball is like a magnet him back there. Never makes the wrong decision. Always finds his man good for a score. The only game that we've lost in the last five years was again. Kilkenny, he was injured at half time. You know, I think that, like we talked about Tony Kelly when he's not there, that was the only time, thankfully, we were out Declan and Limerick lost the game. So for me, so consistent, hard to fault any part of his game, especially this year. Getting seems to be getting better with age. I know he's uh, past 30 now, but captain, leader, legend, I just have to have in my top three. You? I, I can't argue anything you said there. Declan could, could be one on this list. Um, as well, you mentioned the All-Ireland final, just to finish on Declan. Probably his greatest performance for Limerick, I'd argue. Yeah. All the long. He was sensational and just different level at times. I've gone three, Barry Nash. Um, in the running for hurler of the year, up to probably the semi-final, and did nothing wrong in semi-final or final. I'm not saying that. It's just other players just jumped to a different level themselves. Has redefined... 
um, the position of cornerback, uh, with obviously great help from John Kiley and Paul Kinnerk. And as he mentions himself, several other Limerick players that have helped him transition into a defender when he defends. He's an option for a sharp puck out. His delivery inside, he can come up at a point. He can mark players. His ball-winning ability in the air. Barry Nash has absolutely everything as a hurler. He had it when he was a corner forward or full forward. I remember one stage him playing full forward and it looked like John Kiley was building his team around Barry. Didn't work out that way. Barry then was off the team for a year. Came back in 19 to replace Declan Hannon, as you mentioned, at halftime at wing back. And we all going, what the hell is going on here? I think I remember him scoring that game against Kilkenny as well. Gives that option in 2020. He was a shoo-in for wing back and uh, that Limerick team, absolute shoo-in. Um, his lead performance was, was stunning. Injuries is what happened to move Dan Morrissey um, and him back into the full back line. And you, you would never move Barry Nash away from there again. Just a supreme hurler. I think he's playing full forward for South Liberties in the senior championship. Um, he'll do damage there as well, you can be sure. Um, for As an out-and-out hurler, um, and Declan Hannon is in the same boat as this, you could put Barney Nash anywhere in the park and you're going to get value from him. He has had a sensational 2021. He's had an even better 2022. And God knows what's in store for him in 2023. Yeah, super player. I'll get to him. Yeah. Uh, second runner-up for you. Gerard Hegarty. Um, you have him, what number did you have him? Eight, was it? Six, seven. Sixth. Six, all right, sorry. Six. I, just, I wouldn't do that to him. I said I'd check. Um, you mentioned, I, like, I'm, I'm going to go different here with this. Um, for me, at times this year, Gerald's getting a raw deal. I'm not talking about the Galway sending off because the merits of that are the merits of that uh, in the league. Um, championship against Cork probably wasn't at his best. Um, go through the tip game. You, you, you'd say the same, Waterford um, and tip probably wasn't at his best. couple of points here and there. At a clear game in Ennis, I think, was the defining moment of Gerard Higarty's year, getting the sent off. Um, purely because we all know how ridiculous it was, and I'm not going to go down that road because we all, anyone in Limerick, you can argue it all day long that he's been looking for three years. That's absolute cod swallop and rubbish because you, you, what happens on the day is different to anything that happens in the past and whatever. But that goal against Clare in the Munster final, like just very few players on earth. I've ever been able to have that kind of skill and awareness. And it's the awareness for me that really was was, was unbelievable. And, you know, it was, it was at a vital time because Claire were, were kind of, were taken off at that stage, just sensational. You you mentioned in the semi-final then, um, Fintan Burke had a great game. But anyone that marked Gerard this year, in my eyes, I'm open to correction, was getting away with blue murder. Gerard couldn't buy it. <laughs> He just couldn't buy a free in any game that was played. And and, and I believe referees targeted him. I give absolute credit to Cullum Lyons in the All-Ireland final. The man who sent him off in the in the group game that he let he let Gerard play is what I'm saying, as in anyone that was marking him. Paddy Deegan did everything he could to try and stop Gerard in the All-Ireland final. Just wasn't able. I don't think Zeus himself from the gods could have stopped Gerard Higgerty in that All-Ireland final. You said it the 1-5. There were scores that day. Every score he got that day outdid each other for me. The goal early on, he did it in 2021 as well, early in the All-Ireland final. Um, the goal, I, I don't think I've seen a better goal in the All-Ireland final. That sounds something like, I just, to beat on Murphy from that angle, number one, is is, is sensational. Then, the, the, then you look back at the replay 
like a, a lot of people to me around me at the game said, geez, like Owen Murphy made a mistake or something. Going, no, no, he didn't. He really didn't. What's the replay? And it was in the in postage stamp you hear soccer terms the whole time that he put it on a postage stamp, a pass or whatever. That could not have been placed in a better position. And I was talking to his father recently um, about just the goal. He said he should have put it over the bar. <laughs> you know, that's the type of thing you're looking at that angle. He's gone, he shrugged off his marker. And he goes off balance. For most of us, we'd say it's off balance. And he produces a shot, a thunderbolt as well. It wasn't as if it was placed with just placement for the sake of placing it. It was put into the stratosphere. And then he comes up with the point after point. And as you mentioned then, I think it was Blanchfield that had come on at that stage that um, he just shrugged him off with ease and then sends it over. And it was just a badly needed score. And it just set, settled Limerick a bit. And ah, look, it's... Look, this is arbitrary between us, of course, but like the, we, we talk, you talked about Kyle Hayes at Croke Park a while ago. And Gerard is one of them. Look, he saved his best performances now two years running and, and, and probably three years running in all Ireland finals, but he had a great 2020 full stop in every game. But he saved, like you, you said a while ago, seven points in 2020, 2-2 last year and 1-5. And the 1-5 this year was better than anything he's done. And that in an yeah. all Ireland final... For a lad who couldn't make the Limerick minor team and what he's done and what he's become, couldn't sorry make the Limerick minor panel a, a, a lad in, in when when he was eighteen, uh, you know for what he's achieved and for where he's come from, stunning. Yeah, I suppose he's an example more than anything to players that you know everyone doesn't develop at the same time that you know you can make this this great leap. And I do really I value your points. Sorry, sorry to cut across you. Glenn Junior hurling too with his club, you know not every. Not every player will, will continue. Some players, maybe, if they got a little bit of a, a head on them and say, oh, I want to play senior hurling now as well. That may happen down the road with Gerard. I don't think so, though. He's 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 St. Patrick's through and through, and you know he's stuck stuck to his guns with that. And his brother Dermot the same. And it's fantastic to see him last week signing, going down to an awards night out in the field with the young lads and young girls down in St. Patrick's, spending hours there signing autographs. And a mark of all is these Limerick lads, it has to be said as well. Yeah. It is a mark of all others, and your point there, and he's he's not really ref fairly, you know, just because he's unfairly like physically gifted, he isn't, but he still manages to find a way. And yeah, Claire was a turning point, and he was imperious from there on in. But um, I'm gonna go with my second because I think we're gonna differ here because I've changed my mind. Um, and I think I have your number one. I'm gone for Dermot Burns, which is yeah, I can see by your reaction. I genuinely. <laughs> I genuinely haven't seen anyone's team that don't have Dermot as her of the year, and that's perfectly fair. Um, broke the record for scoring for defender, didn't put a foot wrong all year. He scored was it not was it six points the first day and nine the second day, or no nine against Tipperary, you know, like I mean the long range frees that were so vital in Crop Park, you know, always scores in crucial times. And I, I thought he's free taking maybe coming into 2022 was sometimes erratic, not always, you know, sometimes, but I find if, if you missed the first one, you you could be in trouble, but this year he was just on the money every single time. His defensive work doesn't really get the credit because everyone's pointing to the scoring records and, and you could have one more because I imagine he's your, your number one. I don't give it away, but <laughs> I'm guessing from the list I'm looking at here, but he had Tony Kelly in Ennis for a while and I'd say Tony maybe had 15 or 17 or 16 by the time he, he made his way over to, to Dermot and Dermot fairly shot him down and he also Tony Kelly or he also had TJ for company for a while in the other and final but um yeah I even slipped in the second here but I'll let you talk because I'd imagine he is 
Yeah, you're right. He is my number one. Um, a close call. I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way: between my top three of Dear McGarrod and Barry, nothing between the three. Um, I have to add that as well. And I, I know you're in the same boat with your top three. It's very difficult between these Limerick lads. I've gone for Dermot um, this year at times. Um, you mentioned his free taking. He's 36 points this year in the championship, right? He's playing right wing back. Against Cork, Waterford and Tipperary, Limerick weren't at their races in the early stages. Um, and Dermot's points, certainly against Cork and Tip early on, were vital to Limerick. And the same against Clare and Ennis. And who got the equalising point in the, in the group game? The last long-range free of the game, it was Dermot. Um, that's 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 one aspect. That's the free-taking aspect. He got one of the greatest scores I've ever seen in my life. It was a real killer blow against Kilkenny and Dollar. If it wasn't a killer blow, it was first half and there was plenty of time left. But to catch a puck out is, is, is a huge thing anyway for any halfback. It's a real lift for a team. And then to just sidestep a fellow who's come to tackle you and then send it over from over 100 yards with the angle was just, I mean, it, it took my breath away watching. I went, Jesus, I said, that's that's ridiculous. Like, that's that's fantasy hurling type of stuff. Like, And he does it time and time again for Limerick. But you hit on something that he doesn't get credit for. And at times it has been arguably a weakness, his, his defending has come on leaps and bounds in the last in the last two years for me, um, where he's a shoo-in for, for an all-star last year and this year. And I think that may have counted against him in years gone by. But I think his defending has come up onto an unreal level. And when you have that threat, when you're able to catch puck outs, opposition puck outs, when you're able to distribute like he does, you give a, the, the ball for, um, I think it was Jamie Flanagan's goal in Taran Gillan last year. It was a, an extra set of a pass. He has that strike a strike of a ball that's just as pure as you get when he does hit it. Um, defending, just so key to Limerick this year. When Limerick were down, we had it with Keane maybe last year um, in that Munster final when Limerick were really in trouble. It was Keane they went to. For me this year, it was Dermot. And, you know, it's it's whatever's in the water up in Patrick's well at times to produce the hurlers they produced in a long, long time for Limerick. Over a long, long time, I should say, you know. At the moment, you have the three you have in Aaron, Dearman, and Keane, unfortunately, out injured, obviously. But I think Dearman was the go-to man for Limerick this year. You mentioned his free-taking can be erratic, and at times it has been over. But in 2022, it's just gone to a new a new level for me. Uh, Shoeing for hurler of the year. I don't, I've heard people throwing other names around, and your number one will be one of them. Um, and Aaron Galan's been mentioned. Giroud's been mentioned. But for me, hurler of the year, all-star. Number one on my list, number two on yours, three on yours, but whatever. Uh, just a great year for Dermid and for me, you know, the best hurler in the country this year. Yeah, it, it is. It's very hard to argue Dermid's number one. But <laughs> I think I want to do it. I'm probably, I probably talk myself out of it as I, as I talk about it. But um, as you said, it's very hard to separate these limit boys. My one, two, well, my third, Hannon. My second was Dermid. First for me was Barry Nash. Um. You know, I suppose where he's come from, I suppose, and probably taking into consideration as well. He knew went through that journey from an underage forward to he's settling the wing back to he's the wing back to he has to go in cornerback to he's the cornerback alongside John Finn, obviously. Um, but I just thought from the word go this year, Barry, and like Dermot, you know, he's an attacking kind of player. Dermot's obviously more of a natural wing back, but Barry's a forward. Thought he's defending this year really came on against Waterford. There was a couple of blocks back to back. Um, I don't remember him getting beat for any ball really. I top blown in Turles. Um, he was really good. 
in the Munster final. I thought a lot came through him. More often than not, if Nicky is going short, he's going to Barry. He's given a lot of responsibility, and you know how good Limerick's puckouts are. So a lot of that is coming through Barry. He scored four points this year from quarterback, you know, which it should be very illegal. Um, so calm on the ball, very rarely lo- loses, doesn't do things wrong, and he just gives the team an extra dimension because so often he breaks the line or he's an extra attacker when he needs to be. Um, and from where he's come from, the on the periphery of the team, as I said, in 18, to, you know, arguably one of the keys to this team. I don't think Darren Burns put a foot wrong. I don't think Nash put a foot wrong. I said to you, I'd do it live. <laughs> this is the one I'm going for. A one-two punch of Barry Nash and Darren Burns. But you could argue either way. But I don't think there's any real, because there's no wrong answers in this. This is just our opinion. As we said, we're blessed to have these Limerick lads as role models for not only us going to games, but sure the, the, the children out there are, are so lucky um, you know, my childhood, your childhood was riddled in all Ireland final losses, unfortunately. Whereas the, the young people today have, have these role models. That's our list. Um, you know, if you agree with them, lovely. If you don't, that's fair enough. Everyone has their, their own ideas um on these things. But we'll know more when the All Stars come. I'd imagine our ten that we both named, I think we have fourteen players there. You'd imagine they'll all be there thereabouts for all stars, but um, this went on a lot longer than I thought it would. We're nearly two or nearly an hour and 20 into it. But before we go tonight, uh, Thursday night, you have Bruff versus Drumnet Laka in Kilmallock. Um, lovely evening if you want to head out. But if you don't feel like driving that weather, maybe if you want a barbecue and a television outside, you'll be able to hear John commentating on that game with Leo in Kilmallock, 6.45. It's on Limerick J TV. Um, there's obviously four Premier Intermediate games this weekend. Um, everyone else gets a rest and next week we're back for football so um, a huge thank you to you John and, and for your list and uh, we'll be in touch soon and I suppose shout out to Matt I hope wherever he is I think he's in Ireland so he has the weather for it I hope he's enjoying his holidays but again to anyone that tuned in and to you John a huge thank you and we'll be back again next week My pleasure Jack Impression again we get old with what you put into it's like a walk of life if you're good enough go and get it no more about it Your mother sends you down to the shop for a pound worth of goods and she gives you 50 pence. You can't get the pounds worth of goods, can you? Just about kept in. Oh, well, it's Charlie Buckley. To do that to Tommaso Shea, he deserves to score from here. One of the highlights of the second game. Let me spend out there from the war court today. No more about him. He made all the run. That was it. Put the ball over the barrel, the fact of it, and that's it. No ifs, no buts. Simply in this game.